Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am. John Locke. One unerring mark of the love of truth is not entertaining any proposition with greater assurance than the proofs it is built upon will warrant. <coughs> Immanuel Kant. All our knowledge begins with the senses, proceeds then to the understanding, and ends with reason. There is nothing higher than reason. Mm. David Hume. Reason is and ought only to be the slave of the passions. <coughs> mm. Have those meds kicked in yet? No, nah, not yet. All that money to Dr. Blue and I'm still bloody sick. If anything, I feel way worse. Alright, well, we need to try more things then. Have you had ginger and lemon yet? Yeah, twice. How about a hot towel on your head? You're looking at it. Well, we'll go for a brisk walk then. You can walk and sweat it out. But you told me to stay out of cold air and rest in bed. Alright, well, we can soak your socks in lavender. We can coat your ears in honey. Or, oh, I know, that Vicks Vapor Rub stuff. Oh yeah, all over my chest. I used to use that as a kid. Not, not on your chest. Where are you putting it? You're not going to like this. I myself have no idea where I plan to put that <laughs> I think it's best if we don't think about it. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC and POG, Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. And before we get into this week's transmission, I just wanted to remind all of you lovely listeners out there that if you like what we're doing on this podcast and feel like the content that you're receiving is worth supporting, uh, the best way to do it is on our Patreon. There's some really good stuff uh, that we offer you on there, but also we'll just genuinely love you forever. We it's will true. kiss your feet when you walk into a game store as long as you've showered. James will. I will. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> That's an insight into into <laughs> James's world, um, but you can check us out on patreon.com slash getcommandedpodcast. We will really, really appreciate your support. We definitely, definitely will, but we should get to that transmission. It is incoming from the deep depths of the galaxy from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. Your explanations on the philosophy of colour have only just begun. Moving in a clockwise direction of the colours that form, as humans articulate, the colour pie, the colour blue is next for you to dissect. How does it see the world in which it resides? Who does it align with? And who does it stand against? Finally, how does this culminate into the experience of piloting the colour blue in a commander game? Oh, it's this this one again. This is the other space commander. We sort of we hear from one a lot. That like I'm going to assume head honcho kind of very serious, yeah. very like you know dry. This is what you're going to do. He sits in the big chair at the round table, <laughs> definitely <laughs> stroking the cat. Yes, uh, <laughs> evil mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> but this space commander we've heard from twice before. Mm. Um, we've heard from them when they asked about color philosophy in general. Yes, and now they seem to be coming back to us. 
with each color specifically yeah, and so moving around done, the color part. We've already done philosophy of why. Mm-hmm. So that was a little while ago now. So it looks like they want us to look at the philosophy behind the color blue. Which, honestly, I cannot be more excited about. <laughs> you were pretty excited about white. I, I was. I am so keen on this. Yeah, this I is mean, my color. You do go and visit Dr. Blue, after all. Like, yes. It, it's, it clearly means a lot to you. Which we've now done in two skits. <laughs> He's an important guy in your life. That's he is. I mean, it's what keeps me ticking. What, what <laughs> makes me so healthy. I'm going to go out on a limb here and mm. say that, like with the previous two, you've done a little bit of digging. I suspect a little bit of reading of Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work podcast. Correct. Yeah. So I, I'm going to let you steer this one, at least in the beginning. I, I'm sure I'll have thoughts that will pop up over the course of it. But definitely, you looked at the command in advance. I'm I guessing. I I have my. You know, when you're on an email um, app and you can like set your favorites. When we oh. get an email from this space commander i said it i said it to send me a notification to my phone is it a different notification sound it's more of instead of like a ding on the iphone it's more of like a dun 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 dun. (laughs) (laughs) if you do not answer this you will die (laughs) just immediately made me think of the terminator (laughs) (laughs) all right well look yes i have done a little bit of reading and i've i've kind of looked at um blue just for my own enjoyment as well because this Mm. is like my color this is the color philosophy that i align with yeah and I kind of want to outline why, because at the very, very core of Blue's philosophy, right at the center, it's beating heart is knowledge and the pursuit mm. of knowledge. Yeah. I think this is really not like it. Why it was it? Why it was very complex. We had to dive and kind of dissect the good versus evil thing. Mm. Whereas Blue, it's very on the nose of like how much it loves learning. Well, White also had some very overt politics, which is what mm. we sort of examined a lot through the, the philosophy of white episode was how the politics of the world, really, yes. like that we live in, might um, be influenced by white and might influence white. Mm. Um, I'm guessing this one will be more about that sort of pure pursuit of knowledge and sort of therefore philosophy because that's sort of the goal of blue yeah well i'll talk a little bit about it in a second but it actually dives into one of my favorite i'm gonna call them like cornerstones of philosophy we'll dive Mm -hmm. into a little bit later but like the space commander specifically said how does it see the world and Mm -hmm. obviously it's like kind of goal is to 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 gain knowledge but it Mm -hmm. sees the world as a set of resources um, and I really like that, you know, Mark Rosewater himself actually even said in one of his articles, it sees opportunity in the world, it sees resources. Mm. And I actually think that that sentence alone explains why I love blue as a color so much. Because mm. in previous episodes of this podcast, I've used the term like a resource management game. Oh, you've said before that it's one of your favorite things about magic. Mm. Full stop. Like not even just Commander. You yep. just love that that magic is a game where you have to manage resources. And you've even said, I think, that when people ask you, oh, what's Magic the Gathering? How does it work? You will say... Uh, magic is a resource management game. Like that's, I think that's your like opening hook. It's pretty right? much exactly how I start explaining it. And it, it wasn't until like I read this command that I was like, oh, maybe I'm only selling magic to blue players. Like if oh. if someone like because maybe <laughs> a green player would look at magic as something completely different. Mm. And I'm sure we'll explore that when we get to green. Magic is a game about destruction <laughs> and havoc. <laughs> <laughs> and big elephants. Yes. <laughs> but basically, like, I think that is that is a really easy way to describe why I'm aligned with this color so sure. much. Is because Blue sees the game of Magic the Gathering as a way of 
progressing its own understanding. And let's be mm. real, Magic is the world's most complicated game. It's wild. Especially yeah. Commander, because mm. uh, you've got all the cards in the world to use. Definitely. So I think that Blue taking this approach is something that I really admire about Blue. And like, yeah, in White, we talk about where, where White had the end goal. We mm. saw talked about how it views the world in this kind of political landscape. Yeah. Whereas Blue views the world as resources. So does it have its end goal? Well, yeah, it kind of does. It's it's more about like the pursuit of knowledge and knowing everything and trying to get to all, if that makes sense. Okay, so this is less of a political goal and more of an individual goal. Like the yeah, the, definitely the, the blue mage is searching for something as opposed to the color white. Well, we talked a lot about white being about harmony mm. um, and how yeah, the the harmony of all things tended to be a collective rather than individual. Yes, sort and of a united thing. force. Well, this yeah. is this is the really interesting thing. Blue sit next sit next to white and black on the color wheel, and we'll talk a little mm. bit about this later on. But it differs from white in a way that it's similar to black, and it takes a slightly more individualistic approach to yeah. its own life and. This is where Blue kind of takes the stance that each person should have their own goal in life and that their entire belief system and their entire, each action should be based on pursuing knowledge that allows you to find out what that purpose is mm. and therefore, like furthermore, I guess, find out how to achieve it. Getting the information to actually accomplish that goal. This is sort of the pursuit of knowledge for knowledge's sake, is sort mm. of what I'm hearing here, right? Like, it, there is things to be gained from knowledge, but also the pursuit of knowledge is a goal that yes. you can have. And I think Blue takes the pursuit of knowledge as its end goal, but the way it kind of sees it on the individual. So if it was to give you, Walter, an individual set of moral code, your moral code would be finding your own personal goal, but knowledge is the key and the excess to get that goal. Mm, I think it's very interesting that uh, in this and only this episode, you called me Walter. <laughs> yes, I, I was trying it's to... very formal, you was... see. Blue is after your true name. Well, Blue would definitely ask you to write your full name um, on the dotted Walt, line. that's short for something, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I'll do a bit of digging and yeah. look at your birth certificate, find out more. If any of our listeners didn't know Walt's full name was Walter, yeah. real. Don't. <laughs> Use it. No, it's fine. <laughs> I, I, I actually fully don't mind it. I just prefer Walt. Yeah. Do you, when you do like theatre, is it Walt or like when you put your name on like a cast list? I have now got an ABN and that ABN is under Walt Dyson. I have, oh, I've sort okay. of officially taken the stance that I should probably use the name that people use for me. Like otherwise I'm sort of introducing myself and people from cast sheets and from Instagram, whatever, are like... That's Walter Dyson. And then immediately I'm being introduced and going, oh, just call me Walt. Like it's, I just, am Walt. it's kind of a <laughs> yeah. layer of removal. But also Walt Dyson sounds a bit more like Walt Disney. And I like to think that people's like subconscious <laughs> is like, telling them like, oh, this sounds man's been like in the entertainment industry. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like he's from Hollywood or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we dive back, into, sorry, dive back into blue? Fully irrelevant. Okay. So like this is actually, you know, that kind of approach that I said that, you know, you, Walter, should mm -hmm. have the approach of like pursuing knowledge. This yes. is where one of my favorite parts of philosophy comes in. You know, when I was talking a second ago about the four cornerstones of philosophy. Yeah. One of those cornerstones is called epistemology. Mm. You've heard of epistemology I am before, yeah? Epistemology. Epistemology. That's, that's but, a very different the kind of removal thing. of cockroaches. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the side of a van that drives yeah. right past your house. Um, yeah. No, no, no. I've looked at this a little bit in some classes I did at uni. But yeah, my understanding is this is like 
the specific area of philosophy that's concerned with how we know things and why we know things. Like, it's basically yeah. the, the concept of knowledge is the area of philosophy. It's, it's, it's often referred to as the theory of knowledge. Right. Like, it's, it's often referred to as that is, like, a more colloquial term. Yeah. But, like, yes, you're totally right. It's concerned with how we learn things, mm. how we know things, but also, like, the next level deeper of how do we know we know things. Oh, yeah. That's where you start getting really confused. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, like, this is, like, one of the cornerstones of philosophy. I think it's fascinating. It dives into what's known as, like, um, epistemistic justification, the rationality of belief, and all of these, like, really key things that do tie a little bit into, um, you know, religion, theology, and, you know, different mm. aspects of philosophy. But it takes the stance of the knowledge of something, knowing something to be true is the key to unlocking the answers to philosophy. Because mm. that's what philosophy is. It's asking a bunch of questions to get 10 more questions. It's asking a bunch of questions to get 10 answers, to get 15 more questions for each of those answers. Mm, mm. So this- there's the, the big questions that they ask in philosophy, it's rare that there is a, like, one obvious answer to them. Mm. Like, it's the asking of the question that allows us to see how people answer and then what we can learn about people and about answers yes. by the answers that they give. It's it's It sounds really complicated sometimes when you lay it out like that, but really it's they're, they're kind of like- the most um, simple questions, really, a mm. lot of the time in philosophy are, you know, uh, why are we here? What does it mean to be a human? Well, like I mean, in the in the very start of the skit, we referred to um, John Locke, Rene Descartes. And mm. these, these philosophers were from an era called the Age of Enlightenment. Mm. And this was really about how do we know we are real? And mm. like, for example, Rene Descartes confirmed his own existence by saying, I think... Therefore, I am. Mm. I can confirm it because my experience is that I'm thinking it. Yeah. Well, he famously laid out every single belief that he thought he had in his mind. And then which beliefs of those, like, stemmed from which other beliefs. And he mm. eliminated them until he found what he considered to be his one central, most important idea about himself. Which was, yeah, I know I'm real because I think things. Yeah. Which if, is very interesting. If I can think about thinking, yeah. then I'm... Thinking it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's strange. <laughs> it, and I think that this is a really kind of interesting part of epistemology where epistemology looks at the the senses of knowledge. And I call them the senses of knowledge because there's like three different kind of legs that it stands on. And there's like, there's the knowing that. So that's quite like, this is fact. I know this, mm. knowing that. Um, and then there's the knowing how, yes. which is the, I know this because I know how it works or I know how it became a thing mm. or I know how it was built. I know how it was, you know, it, there's so many different aspects of it. I know where this thought come from because I knew the person or whatever. Mm. But well, I, I think the knowing how also um, is often differentiated. Like when you think about the, just like you as a person and the things that you know, you know, you know how to ride a skateboard. Yes. So that's, that's not a very well, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a know how for you that, that is not based on like you didn't, Yes, there were some thoughts that were associated with like, oh, I, you know, the people who, who told me to have to skate told me I should stand here and I should do mm. this. But mostly you know how to skate from doing it and from just knowing when I'm on a board, my body moves in this way. And it's sort of like an embodied sense of knowing well, rather than a, a, a cognitive sense of knowing. Well, this is the third and third leg that epistemology looks at and it's right. the knowing by acquaintance. Oh. This is like the last bit that I think Blue really grapples with at right. its core. And I think this is the the bit that blue 
finds itself kind of challenging its own belief system because of these kind of um, imperial experiences. Right. You know, because Blue is quite sceptical and scepticism mm. in philosophy is generally quite common. Um, scepticism is like a really strong cornerstone of a way of thinking. Mm. Um, and in epistemology, scepticism is very welcome and there's generally two different ways of approaching skepticism and you have empiricism which is the idea that knowledge truly comes from empirical evidence such as sensory experiencing mm. and then there's rationalism and this is the idea where knowledge comes from logic and reason mm. so this is kind of like it must work like this because maths yes. or something like that like you know gravity has to work like this because i drop things in a vacuum and they fall at the same rate like mm. you know whatever it might B, you can calculate gravity because of reason and ration, whereas yeah. gravity exists for me because I tripped on the stairs walking into your house this morning. Yeah, and like, which is more an example of empiricism. Exactly right. Really important to know that, like, it, it, on the face of it, it sounds as though empiricism is going to be your, your one and only way of knowing anything for sure. Mm. And in some cases, that's true. But also, you can point to a lot of people you really don't like <laughs> who use exclusively empiricism. Like, these are your parents and grandparents who say, like... I know oh, this is real because I back in my day, yeah, I experienced it. Well, or like, oh, climate change can't be real because this, this summer doesn't feel that hot. Mm. You know, this is an example of someone going like, oh, based on my empirical evidence, I can't see this thing when yeah if you relied on logic and went oh but there are like thousands of scientists out there who tell me this thing repeatedly mm. and assure me of its importance i should probably believe them that is still logic but um it's important to have that and empiricism i guess i 100 percent agree i think finding and this is the thing where i love reading philosophers take one very solid approach to either whether it's skepticism or like whatever kind of way of thinking if if a, if a philosopher takes a very uh, empiricism-based approach in thinking, you go, okay, your logic is incredibly flawed there. Like, mm. you can immediately find it. And I think it's really shown when we actually look at one of the people we quoted in the skits, John Locke. Mm. I think Blue may have actually read his 1689 essay. Um, he <laughs> has been around a long time. I, was, I thought he began in 1993, but no, I was definitely mistaken. Way before that. Richard Garfield has just been <laughs> omnipotent. For... <laughs> but, like, for example, uh, this essay... It's called an essay concerning the human understanding by John Locke. And Locke basically describes humans to be a, what's Latin called, it called it's named in Latin tabula rasa. Mm -hmm. And tabula rasa basically means a blank slate. Now, at the very start of this conversation, I said that Blue, when it tells you, Walter Dyson, you're a blank slate. So you need to go and find your purpose and your experiences will shape the knowledge that you seek and utilize in your life to find your end goal. Ah. So this is where Blue kind of like, I think follows a little bit more of a John Locke approach because it kind of relies on empirical knowledge to formulate and to fill this tablet that is completely blank for each human. Right. So you're starting with nothing. So you, you have to build upon the fact that you have nothing to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But like, this is really interesting when I find that when I said that blue grapples with this, like rationalism versus empiricism, blue often goes, okay, but yes, we're completely blank, but hang on. There's a library that I can go and read about uh. others experiences. So it's like this, 
Or blue is a bit of a con- walking contradiction when it comes to skepticism. Right. I think blue is just so concerned with the pursuit of knowledge that it finds itself going down almost every single path in approach to thinking and approach to seeking knowledge. Right. That it's often walking with its legs spread down two different footpaths. Uh, do you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of trying to consider absolutely every avenue and mm. consequently it's probably slower in its decision making than it might be if it was considering only a few options. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll definitely talk about Blue's uh, flaws. I'm okay. going to straight up call them flaws sure. here in a bit. But yep. I think with like some theoretical and ideological context we can now like really turn our attention back to blue and see that it's it really is on that road down of i want to know as much as possible if mm. not know everything sure and mark rosaruda even kind of points it out in one of his articles it called true blue revisited it's the one he wrote a couple of years ago um it has a quote in it that says blue has this idea of for he who knows all has no weakness mm. i think it's interesting because i think blue is so well educated that it might be aware of the fact that total knowledge might be impossible so i think it's mm. it it it's interesting in true blue mark rosewater kind of alludes to this a little bit more that it's not got an end goal it's got an attitude towards life Mm. and i think that's a lot more blue it's like constantly seeking knowledge like i will i will know as much as i can but i can't learn everything so i'll keep learning as much as i can until i drop Mm. and that's the only way i can live interesting now, I've got actually two sets of flavor text, like uh, two cards with some mm-hmm. flavor text, and I think they epitomize Blue's search for all knowledge and the, and the continuing pursuit of knowledge. Okay. And I want to see if you can actually guess which cards these are from. Oh, sure. So, <laughs> I think, personally, I think these are the two bluest cards to ever be printed, sure. so it, I hope that gives you a little bit of a clue. Okay. Um, okay, so the first card is a quote from Jace. Um, it says... The things I once imagined would be my greatest achievements were only the first step towards a future I can only begin to fathom. Mm, great quote. This is the quintessential blue mage himself, mm-hmm. Jace Bellerin. He, yeah, when we talked about the color philosophy in the first episode, we talked about characters that are centered in blue. Mm. This character is so centered in blue, his cloak is like a water drop. It's like yeah. literally bright blue. He's got like blue runes on his, yes. his face. His eyes his glow blue. Yeah, no, he's next level for sure. I definitely like, like with White when we were talking about, sorry, I'm full tangent here but when we're talking about white and we've talked about a few planeswalkers who are centered Mm. in white and we sort of identified that probably gideon was the most white jace is the most blue i think you have to say so um i think i do recognize this quote i think this is a fantastic piece of artwork as well which Mm -hmm. is jace stepping into this like sort of seemingly infinite horizon is this omniscience it is omniscience good one this is like the 10 mana enchantment that says or maybe it's nine it says you may cast spells from your hand without paying their mana cost i believe correct yep it is wild it is a very like blue card and i think omniscience as a word to like to Mm. name that card as a title is like blues like jace has found blues almost unobtainable end goal he's found omniscience which Mm. is i know everything and like omniscience and omnipotence they're two different things omnipotence is like being everywhere and being ever present whereas omniscience is more knowing everything Mm. and being aware of everything yeah i think that blue having a card that says i know everything is just so blue well it's interesting that the this is one of the words that's associated with what they call the three central tenets of the the 
Western Christian idea of God, mm. which is that God is omniscient, om- omnipotent, and omnibenevolent. In other words, he is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good. Um, I often say, when people ask me how I'm doing, I, I say all-good. What I actually mean is that I am omni- omnibenevolent. <laughs> I, I hope people know that from now on. Um, sorry. <laughs> that's, <a terrible> <laughs> that's really bad. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to know that, that, that um, that's how powerful knowledge can be in, yeah. blue, in Blue's avenue of attack. It's one of the it three pillars of godhood. It's basically being, yeah. being godly. Well, I mean, that's yeah. even just in that quote that, like, what I thought would be my greatest achievements... It's only what I can begin to fathom. Mm. Like Jace thought like, and he knows, like Jace is a pretty cocky son of a bitch at the best of times. (laughs) He knows he's really good at magic, right? He Mm. knows that he's quite clever. He knows that he's quite powerful compared to everyone else on Ravnica. However, he like steps out into this plane where he can just see everything that could ever be. And he's like... Oh yeah, no. There's a lot more here than I thought there was. Yeah. So this, like, and especially considering Jace was like Magic's main guy, like, character, mm. you know, proper protagonist for a real long time. Yeah. It's really quite cool to see how knowledge and the lack of knowledge and being aware of how much you know you don't know mm. is so humbling. Yeah. Like every time you know you answer a question, it usually opens the door for two more questions mm. to be answered. I think that us knowing that we don't know everything is so incredibly humbling. Oh, yeah. I think it's really, really important. I mean, we a lot on the internet, we talk about the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is the um, graph that shows uh, people's confidence versus people's knowledge. And basically, it's a big U shape where people... Well, uh, kind of does a weird squiggly line. But basically, when you first learn something let's say you're learning how to play magic right mm. if someone's teaching you how to play magic at first you go i know nothing and so i'm not confident in i'm this not confident all. in this at all so your your knowledge is 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 nothing your confidence is nothing when you get to sort of like 30 percent along that curve you know about 30 percent about the game but your confidence is actually often way mm. higher like than that. Mm, i now know what the word haste means yeah. it ignores summoning sickness which yes. means i can tap it and use attacks in my combat phase. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and call out people who correct judges on this. Ah, uh, as yes. As being an example. There is a perfect... The, I, re- I reckon the intersect is like 30 to 50% of magic knowledge is when you think that you're able to correct a judge. Yeah, no, <laughs> not so good. But basically what hap- what should happen is as you move further along that, uh, that knowledge line on the mm-hmm. graph, your confidence actually drops down a lot because you start to be aware of how much you don't know. Mm. And actually, this is where you get... People People who are very, very good at something saying things like, oh, I know it reasonably well. You know, you'll, you'll have people like like my dad it, it just finished a PhD in theatre, right? He, he studied a particular facet of theatre, obviously, but he, it's a PhD. Yep. It's, the, it's the highest level of he achievement you can achieve. an expert in the field. Yes. But if you asked him, oh, dad, how much do you think you know about theatre? He'd probably say, oh, not very much. Because he's aware now of the amount of knowledge that exists yeah. about theatre. And he knows he might be like reasonably confident of 5% and very good at 1%. Well, his PhD, his thesis that he wrote to, to get his PhD might have been on one topic within a branch of a stump of, yeah, of a thing. Absolutely. Of what, the huge tree that is theatre. Exactly. But then anyway, the, the, the last sort of phase of the Dunning-Kruger chart here is then when people who are really knowledgeable of something, the confidence 
confidence tends to go up a little bit more mm. where people will say like, oh, I know it pretty well or something. And but- this is this is when you have a like a certificate that says congratulations on completing and passing your judge exam. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you know magic well enough to answer the judge exam, mm. then you can start ticking your confidence up a little bit. Yeah, I will say as well, though, I, I appreciate the judges, especially in our community who are like level one or level two judges and will be the first to say, like, you'll ask a question, they'll go, I'll need to check that. Yes. They'll be really, really open about like, oh, you know, like I know Ellie in our community, for instance, who's Shout in our out Discord Ellie. server. <laughs> um, if you ask a judge call in, in our Discord server, she's likely the one, one who answers the other ones via, of course. Um, Ellie will be very quick to say like, oh, there's sort of these three topics in, in judging in rulings that I, I know quite well. And then there's like five or six others that I'm not confident in at all. Yeah. So I think like power toughness, I can't remember if it's something that she said she knows really well or she doesn't know really well, but she highlighted it the other day as being like, some people are really good at this and some people are not at all. Yeah. I remember once I asked Ellie about replacement effects and she was like, oh, let me at it. I've just read a lot on this. Like, yeah, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's a cool um, area. But yeah, okay. So second card oh, to, we, yeah. to just defer. We should uh, get back blue. to that. Yeah. Uh, this one I've consistently referred to as my favorite piece of flavor text on any magic card. And mm-hmm. I think it might give it away. Yeah. Um, the flavor text is from just the best character in Magic the Gathering. Niv Mizzet, the Living <laughs> Guild Pact himself. Your boy himself. Who's now got a brand new five color card. I cannot wait to play it. Yes. Um, the card reads, don't just have one idea, have all of them. Uh, I know this quote probably mostly because when people ask you what your favorite quote in a magic card is, you always say it's this one. It's so cool. I'm like 95% <laughs> sure this is Enter the Infinite. Correct. So this is the eight blue, 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 12 mana sorcery, it's I believe. stupidly big. That says draw cards equal to the number of cards in your library, then put one card back basically yeah. uh, you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game that's uh, until the end of your next turn oh, which i find really interesting that is interesting um yeah because it's not until the end of the game it's like you have just kind of just eaten a library like you've yeah. gone and just like read every single book <laughs> but like your ability to retain that knowledge yeah. is finite yeah, that's so interesting but enter the infinite as mm. like a card for for blue and drawing every single card in your library mm. And even like, because you do, you draw every single card and then put one back on top. So it's like the knowledge of I'm not going to mill myself out. I'm going to put this book that I don't need right now back on the shelf. Mm. It it really is. I'm going to consume all of this knowledge. And I like the word infinite in the card because Mm. it says, even though your library has a number of cards in it, there is an infinite amount of cards you could draw with this because in a, in like a regular constructed format, Commander obviously were limited to a hundred card deck. Mm-hmm. But in, for example, any other format that this card is legal in, the minimum is 60. Yeah. You could, if you wanted to, build a deck with... 300 cards yep, if you, you really wanted to. You definitely could. I don't recommend it, but you could. No, just balancing it on the table alone. Don't yeah. use new sleeves if you're oh, doing that. It would just yeah. topple everywhere. Um, okay, well, look, before we take a little bit of a break, I wanted to kind of outline what strategies Blue uses to kind of obtain knowledge and search sure. for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how it tries to win its battles. Yeah. Because Blue's kind of main shtick is I'm smarter than you. Mm. I know this better than you. Mm. I'm going to outthink you and that's how I'm going to win this game. Yeah, for um, sure. If you've never seen Doctor Who, there's a really good uh, section in uh, with the 10th Doctor, David Tennant. 
and he says, I'm the smartest person in every room. Mm. That approach is blue. Yeah. Um, and I think you've actually said this um, before when you referred to blue in the first Color Philosophy episode that blue is so knowledgeable on how magic works that it, it knows it to such an extent. That's where its ability to counterspell things comes from. Um, mm. Like, you know it to such an extent, you know which piece of magic to pull out to let the whole thing crumble. Wow, past me is so wise. Um, you're, you're so deep and, and knowledgeable on it. <laughs> that's, yeah, I don't remember saying that, but I'll take past Walt's word for it. That's, that it, sounds like it makes a lot of sense. It definitely, definitely was something that you said was like, I know so much about what you're trying to do that I can spend half my resources, like not even, not scratching the surface. Like Counterspell is mm. two mana. Yeah. It's not a mana intensive thing to do. It just knows it so well enough it can just dismantle something. And I think mm. this is exactly what Blue's primary strategy is. And it's to know more about the game than its opponent. But yeah, I see this in like four specific categories. Okay. And I think the first category is basically what you're alluding it to is information can be used as a way to kind of control and mm. to kind of, you know, I mean, even in situations where, you know, to deceive and to distract, Blue's very good at like using confusion to its advantage. But Blue can withhold information. It generally works at instant speed, right? You know, mm. people, a lot of people say, what's the scariest thing to see on a magic board? It's two islands that are untapped. Yeah, could so, be anything. Yeah, could be absolutely anything. So it works at instant speed, but by withholding information, it can force its opponents to react you know, in certain situations, if the mm. opponent goes to combat and I go, all right, as a blue player, I'm going to unleash and, and do this thing. The other player is forced to think of a way to react in the moment that mm. they might not be prepared for. I, um, I think it's interesting that you use the word control here because this is obviously the name for a very, very well-known archetype within magic decks. Mm. They're, they're, they're sort of the three big broad umbrella terms that they use to describe decks in magic is mid-range aggro control i think combo is another one that gets thrown around a bit yeah there, but that's a bit more nebulous but um yeah control is a whole strategy and blue is definitely the the consistent co color well it's the most essential to yeah. it like you, you can add other colors you can take them away and certainly there are control decks that do exist that don't contain blue it's possible mm. but the most common culprit in a con in a control list is blue and i think it is this it's the it's the ability to withhold information to deceive and also to wait I yes think. And to be, to, to have the time, waiting is one thing, waiting to react to what your opponent's doing, mm. but it's taking the time, almost proactively taking time to, to define its best line of play. Yeah. It's sitting there and going, okay, if I don't do anything now, I can do what's best for me in a minute. Mm. You know, I can hold my resources and do what's better for me in two minutes, in two minutes, rather than doing what's best for me now. Oh, this is that that great thing that you get sometimes where you have like a counter spell or an instant speed response in your hand and you also have like a clue token mm. and you have that two mana open and you have that such satisfying feeling of going like, I'm prepared for whatever happens. I can counterspell it. I can do whatever I have in my hand. Or if nothing else happens, I'll just get another card yep. on the end step. Yeah, very good feeling. It's a very strong blue feeling as well. I don't Definitely. think any other color does it as strong. But I also no. think information can use be used as a key, as like something that allows you to access something. And obviously, mm. honestly, it could be more information. Like, you know, finding a treasure map is a piece of information, but that treasure map might be incomplete. You might need right. to go and search out the completion to that treasure map kind mm. of thing. But I think 
for Blue's tactic on how it beats its opponents, it can also be used as a way to find out secrets to its opponent's defensive and finding the defenses and finding the weak point in it to have that whole thing just tumble to the ground. Mm. I think this, and we'll talk about the mechanics soon, but I think it's almost like the, you know, it's like an engineer. Uh, oh, a good, great example. Whoever built the Death Star, <laughs> that exhaust port, you have to really understand fumigation on a space station to yeah. get that that will blow the whole goddamn thing up. Galen Erso, <laughs> shout out to you. Yeah. Uh, we had a whole film about you, but we can't celebrate you enough. I think um, uh, I had something to say here. Now it's slipping my mind. I'll come back to it. All right. Well, look, I think there's... Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, wait. Never mind. Okay, jump in. Um, <laughs> knowing, your, knowing the secrets of your opponent, I thought of two cards that demonstrate this really, really well. Mm. One is telepathy. This is mm. a one mana blue enchantment that says players play with their hands revealed. Yeah. Or your opponents play with their hands revealed, I believe it actually says. So this is So very you like- can keep your secrets. We yeah. Have, yeah, for sure. There's even cards like Peak, Gitaxian Pro. Yeah. Look at Tiger Player's Hand is a very common line of text on a blue card. Um, especially the older ones. The other one I thought of though, which I think uh, might be slightly more even, but it's interesting. Um, Zer's Weirding. This is the four mana enchantment that says if a player would draw a card, instead they reveal it to all players. Any player may pay two life. If they do, put that card into its opponent's graveyard. So it turns the whole game into this thing of like, what else do you have in your hand? Should Should I I use my life to stop you getting that? And it's a bizarre card. And I think that actually ties into the third thing that information can be used for, which is keeping blue safe like information is very often used to keep blue safe like the cards you mentioned telepathy if you know your enemy you know what to prepare for mm. and funnily enough this was your first magic podcast oh, you pre- did <laughs> know thine enemy oh, pre-get commanded yeah, yeah way back in the day that yeah. whole podcast was based around understanding how your opponents think in a magic the gathering game mm. what their what their approach to things are yeah. etc and i think blue actually would admire and probably listen to that podcast because it's information about its opponents. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, this idea of if I'm best prepared, I can take on any assault. Yeah, totally. I think the final way blue views information to win is genuinely weaponizing it. Mm. Um, I think blue is very, very good at kind of taking as much information as possible and deploying the right thing. And we'll talk a little bit about weaponizing it specifically a little bit later, but I wanted to kind of say that these four pillars that knowledge can be used for, remember them, because I think we'll, uh, we'll use these as the grounding for how it plays out in Commander later, but control, access, safety, and weaponization is how knowledge can be utilized by blue to win a game. Mm. And I think, yeah, we'll explore that in a bit, but we've been speaking for a while. We have. So I reckon it's time for a bit of a break. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do we usually do something special in the middle of our podcast? We do a thrifty interlude. interlude. (laughs) So we obviously have lots left to cover. James has got lots more reading he's done that he's going to impart that wisdom on. Uh, So much knowledge to be learned, especially because we're talking about blue. Um, that was good. I like that. That was a good segue. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but before that, we obviously need to hear a little something about a thrifty card. So this is a nice cheap card you can pick up. Uh, as a tradition, I will be bringing this card to life in monologue form. In this case, I'll be selling it to you as the cowled merchant, our good friend. Love that um, guy. I did go out of my way to find a blue card for this one. This one actually also has a Jace quote on there. It's not included here, so you won't read it, but I believe it says, so Tamiyo, is this what you found? 
Ooh, very blue. The, so it was a particular turning point in the story of Jace coming to realise something that he thought Tamio had realised. Anyway, very very flavourful, I thought. But would you like to read the card I, featuring this one? I would. I mean, I, I also wanted to make a comment on this card about how blue it is. Because in Commander, one of our staple blue cards is Factor Fiction. Mm. And I have often referred to this card as Fat Factor Fiction. Uh, <laughs> because you could just make it huge. It's Epiphany at the Drown Yard. For X and a blue, you get an instant spell that says reveal the top X plus one cards of your library and separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles. Put that pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. Ever wish you could be cool but also really sweaty and kind of desperate? Do you also enjoy toying with people's minds, dangling hopes and dreams before their empty eyes and then ripping those away? I'll be specific. Have you ever wanted to be a poker dealer in a casino? Well, ignore your mum. You can be a poker dealer, kind of. There are cards involved, irrelevant choices are made, and at the end of it, the house always wins. No, you can't win a house. I, I didn't say that. Oh my god, I just realised! This card's only 35 cents! It's no gamble to pick up a copy today, unless you pulled it out of a hat or something. In which case, you're cooler and sweatier than a poker dealer. You're a magician! Get you know, you know who's cooler and sweatier than both a poker dealer and a magician? Who? Magic the Gathering players. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably halfway between being a magician and a poker dealer. Let's be real. Yeah. You're definitely losing as much money as a poker player, um, and you're as sweaty as a magician. Yeah, and there's about as much RNG up. as poker as well. Um, you can catch these bizarre pieces of text uh, on Discord in our Discord server, which is linked in the show notes. Every Thursday in the Thrifty Thursdays channel, and you can also follow us over on TikTok at Get Commanded uh, to see some of those brought to life in video form. Mm, and. Some really exciting stuff coming up on TikTok, yes. so please go and subscribe because it will uh, it'll be popping off in just. I reckon, like by the time this episode releases, there might be some exciting stuff coming out in like the next week. Yeah. So keep keep an eye out. Definitely worth checking us a follow. Really cool. All right, back to blue. Yes. Now we've sung blue's praises a little bit. We've talked about like uh, you know what its goal is: this pursuit of knowledge, the idea that it's just going to keep on learning and how it learns is very important to it and what it uses the information it has to win is also very important. Mm -hmm. But Blue has some flaws. Yes. Its flaws is that there aren't more cards. Moving on. (laughs) Uh, No, there are... Okay, so I struggled with this a little bit because Blue definitely has flaws, even though I really love its philosophy and I think it's such a strong colour. And it is... In Commander. Absolutely. One of the strongest colours in Commander for sure. Mm. It's a staple of every CDH list, really. Yes. The only decks that aren't blue in CDH really are either combos in the command zone, like Godo, or stacks lists, like Mm. my Yashan list. Other than that, you basically have to play blue for the interaction. Yeah, there's some like C-tier Rakdos aggro kind of strategies, but like... Mostly you're playing blue. Blue is definitely the colour for power and, you know, precision, I think I'm going to call it. Like Mm. really, really precise plays. But in saying that, there are some things that blue, in a more philosophical sense, has flaws with and and, and has challenge with. I think the, the biggest thing for blue is that it is thought incarnate it is very Mm. thoughtful um blue will take its time to consider all of its options so therefore it hates being put in situations that it's not prepared for Mm. and i think this takes on uh it, it 
often referred to as spinning its wheels and like doing a burnout um, where it's just kind of trying to find an answer and not doing anything at all. Kind of staying in place in terms of its effect on the game. Yes. I mean, we, we talked we talked about it earlier, how it often walks down two different approaches to skepticism. It can be, you know, the empiricism approach or the rationalism approach. Mm. And it kind of has both feet in both paths and it can just really slowly tiptoe down mm. that kind of road. I think that's often what it, tends to find as its biggest flaw. Mm. Um, and I think it, it actually, when you look at what it hates, and we'll talk about its enemies and allies in a second, but when it what it hates is things that act on impulse. Mm. And obviously red should jump to mind immediately, but you might've heard me use the word impulse there. And you might go, but James, impulse is a blue card. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a blue card, but I'm going to make the argument that the blue impulse, the one in a blue instant speed, look at the top four, choose a card, put it in your hand, put the rest at the bottom, is not impulsive by a proactive nature. It's mm. very reactive. It's only finding the one card. And when you can mm. compare this to a card like Reckless Impulse mm -hmm. in red, this is a card that finds two cards, but it exiles them from the top of your library. You can only play them until the end of your next turn. In the very, I mean, this is what we call impulse draw Correct, in red. Yeah. We refer to as this effect of exiling. You can only play them for a certain amount of time. That's impulsive, right? Like you have to move quickly. You have to find the, the next solution right now. Yes, but it's also very proactive. Mm. It's, it's I'm looking for what I want to do now. If anything, if I could do this yesterday, I would do it. Right. But blue is like reacting to something. Like if someone mm. casts a spell, and I didn't have the, the correct counter spell for it in my hand, I would go, oh, in response, I'm going to cast Impulse, mm. try a look at the top four cards, see if I can get an answer yeah. and respond. It's more concerned with what's going to happen tomorrow whether where it's not concerned with what's happened today. So when right. it's faced with a challenge like not being prepared, mm. it's, it's, it gets scared quite easily. You can almost think of Impulse as similar to a card that is also blue and is similar, which is Brainstorm. Yes. So, so the impulse that we're talking about here from blue is more like a, oh, let me have a quick think about that. Yes. Than a, like, I am impulsive. I've got to do this right now, which is the impression we get from red, I think. And a hundred percent. And I think this is where you can tell, especially when, if, if we personify it and say like, James is the blue player and you're a red player, for instance, mm -hmm. if you're doing something and I'm not prepared as the blue player, I'll get uncomfortable because my win might be completely gone. If you get what you're doing off, I might lose right here, right now. Whereas I'm a lot more comfortable when I have that situation you proposed earlier. I have the perfect counter spell in hand. Mm. I've got the two mana. And if I don't use it, I can crack a clue and draw a card. Yeah. That's where blue sits back in its chair and is like got a smirk on its face and all mm. cocky. But the second you present it with a situation <laughs> that it's not prepared for, it's imagine my sister is a really good example. She's very studious, incredibly studious person. She's an incredible person in an exam. She was the ducks in our year 12 year. She's, like, wow. she's just a smart cookie. Yeah. However, my sister will crumble to pieces if she was to open an exam and see that the first question was something that she hadn't prepared for. Right. She has to know all the answers in advance in order to have that confidence that she knows what she's Correct. doing. Correct. 100%. Right. Interesting. And I think that's like the biggest problem blue has and when we look at enemies and allies of blue you can really see that that plays into who it likes and who it doesn't like because mm. 
its enemies are red and green. Mm. Red is like the impulsive child of Magic the Gathering. Yeah. And green is the color that believes in this kind of let it be, let it be, <laughs> let it be kind of approach to, to, to life and to its philosophy. Mm. So when blue looks at red, it's looking at red's approach to knowledge as childish. It looks as mm. it as reckless, dangerous. And honestly, at times, I think it would probably think of it as disrespectful to knowledge in general. Mm. Like you'd said before, like you, you exile the top two cards of your library and they stay exiled after your next turn. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't make use of that knowledge, it's gone forever. It's very, Blue would consider that, I think, a, a colossal waste of resources. Exactly. It's like, okay, now I'm never going to be able to use that again. What if I wanted that later? Yeah. Like, you know, that's like going to a car boot sale and looking at all the books and, you know, the owner of those books being like, if I don't sell these today, throwing them on the fire. <laughs> a Blue player would be like, I will buy all of these yeah, books. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you can, you can have a sort of analogy, a comparison to another card in blue that exiles cards, which is Wizard's Spellbook, where this will exile uh. spells, but they'll stay under there. And eventually, with the Wizard's Spellbook, you get them all back or you cast them all again. Like there's a, there's it's a like sort putting of... them in long-term storage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it, it's, it, there's a, a plan for them in the future. Where, like, exactly. Whereas red just throws it willy-nilly. And I yeah. think when blue looks at green, it looks at green's approach to knowledge as kind of stupid and a bit primitive right because green is like very focused on the way things used to be and just letting it lie there's no sense of progression with green mm, green's very much about conservation is sort of the word i would use correct for conserving yeah. energy and conserving the ways that things have already been in the mm. past yeah so i think when green uh when blue looks at green blue would be like okay yeah you're just sitting around and telling stories but no one's writing these stories down for accuracy <laughs> and like think of a card like beast whisperer for example it loves having creatures enter the battlefield and gains a kind of knowledge by drawing you cards when creatures are cast. Mm. But Blue would look at that and be like, that giraffe doesn't have a college degree. Like, how are you <laughs> How are you learning something from a beast? Do you know what I mean? That's It's very interesting. This also, though, reminds me of um, narratives around... I'll get a little bit political for a second here, but around colonialism, which is Ooh, that, yeah, okay. you know, that there are ways of doing things that are not necessarily tangible and written down and in a book. Well, I mean, blue is an ally with white, which they're a very colonialist colour. We yeah. spoke about that in the philosophy Well, of very white. based in humans and yeah. very based in society and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think, order. I think it's interesting. I would, I would also say I think it's very interesting that the two enemies of Blue... You spoke before about Blue sitting there and spinning its wheels. Mm -hmm. Blue's two enemies combined are Gruel, green and red. Which, which are is, the definition of now. Yeah, <laughs> right now we're going to smack you in the face. <laughs> and so it's very interesting. There's this interplay. And there's a lot of red-green cards that say, like, creature spells can't be countered. You know, actively saying, Blue... You're not going to have a say here. Well, Vexing Shusha has an activated ability. It's yep. a rule creature that says target spell cannot be counted. Yep. So Vexing Shusha as like a concept. Imagine this like goblin-like beast shaman trying to, you know, send a horde of beasts mm. to take down society. And then <laughs> this blue mage goes, no. And Vexing Shusha just goes, 
no (laughs) just like absolutely annihilates and just runs away with it yeah i think if blue is kind of the wizard if we're talking DD, i reckon green red is the barbarian oh for sure the wizard's sitting there in front of the 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 door going oh there's so such interesting engravings here this seems to me to indicate and then the barbarian charges in and goes let me smash that down for you (laughs) i'm gonna roll to try and kick it down and the wizard's like don't do that it's ancient you've got to preserve that beautiful architecture we could Think of the way to unlock it and reserve its knowledge. And I've yeah. kicked it down. Let's get inside. <laughs> <laughs> so, enemies, very clear. Yes. Allies, I think this is more interesting because it's mm. very clear to say red, green, now blue. Wait a minute. Yeah. But white and black are the allies of blue. Mm. And they are enemies of each other, which yeah. I, I love this idea that all the colors allies are often enemies of each... Oh, well, always. They have, to be, have to be, because, because they're on the either side. Yeah. Yeah. So when you look at white and black, and we talked about this in the, the white episode, about how white is very communism, like, you know, very focused on, I want to bring people together for mm. a common cause. Yeah. Whereas black is very individualistic mm. in... I want to be better for me. Yeah. Um, and blue sits in this kind of middle section where mm. it's like both of you need to progress yourself and knowledge is the key to progression right however both of you are doing it for different things Mm. and it looks at both colors and goes i appreciate your search for betterness i appreciate your understanding of knowledge and your pursuit of the knowledge that will get you to where you want to go Mm. and blue tends to try and sit in this very happy middle but if you remember the tabula rasa that we were talking about earlier I think blue slate, yeah. generally tips towards that black individualist ideology. Mm. I don't think blue is as concerned with community as white is. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I think um, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the two guilds of Ravnica that are associated with these two colors at, when combined with blue. So, so we've got we the Azorius. Azorius guild in blue-white and the um, Demir... Uh, what are they called? The Demir something. The Demir... House Demir or something? House of Demir. I, I think, yeah, I think that they're not like a guild because they're a secret society. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's blue-black. Anyway, I was trying to, trying to think about what those two things have in common and I think it's probably like organization and mm. probably knowledge, I would say, are the two things, which makes sense. Those are two yeah. things we associate with blue. But yeah, w- when you get look at blue-white, we talked about in the white episode, Harmony, mm. the blue-white Azorius Guild are lawmakers. They're the Senate. They're the, the sort of equivalent of police yep. in Ravnica. Um, but then in blue-black, we get espionage. We get the Demir infiltrators. These are spies and liars but and both, surveillers. both of those organizations purely are using their knowledge to better their organization. Whereas the Azorius Senate is using this knowledge of the, you know, the society and how to, it pulls from the white aspect to control it Mm. and uses the blue aspect to understand what systems to put in place. Mm. Demir is using it to unravel. It's like reverse engineering it Mm. for its own benefit. And that's where it gets the black aspect being very, I'm doing this for my own purposes. Yeah. I think both are, are quite centered on the, like, I know better. I oh think yeah, is, for sure. Is what I would say about both of those things, because in the, the the manifestation of the Azorius Guild, I talked about the law, but a lot of the cards are actually very like locking you up. You don't get to say that. Uh, you know, we even have a, a card that filibusters. This is yeah, the act, filibuster counters. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the act of in Parliament preventing um, legislation from going through by just talking about it until everyone else gives up. Yeah. That's the the blue white, and then the blue black with espionage. 
espionage sort of is almost always centered in the idea of we know better so we have to gather this information so we can take you down yeah i think the approach that blue black has is like we know better but it's worded as i know something you don't yeah um and it's like i know all your secrets which is also very black so it's very flavorful it's ah it always talking about these episodes always makes me appreciate just how densely intricate and considered the the world of magic is that's it's beautiful well i now want to go into what blue feels like to play in commander sure and i wanted to remind you of the the four pillars that blue will use its knowledge for so and build goals on. and the way it gets there you know? yeah so we talked about knowledge equaling control as number one mm-hmm. access like the key yeah safety and weaponization sure so i think that it's worth noting here that these for me make me feel fantastic in a commander game when mm. i have control of the game access to everything i need i feel safe and secure and i have got the gun to kill you with mm. that's me in full control yeah. i i love this position but you have often at times referred to playing blue as kind of an overwhelming situation yeah i mean i think when i think of playing blue the the deck that most immediately comes to mind like probably my mo- my most blue feeling deck mm. is my Kaza royal chaser deck it's probably your most blue deck full stop because it's probably got the most devotion to blue in it like, i'd say so yeah. yeah strong likelihood i think um it's like 70 percent blue or 75 percent blue pips on the card that so is high very yeah. very blue <laughs> deck but yeah this is a wizard tribal deck so it's trying to do my usual thing of making a bunch of creatures and going wide but then it's trying to cast really big x spells by reducing the cost with kaza so kaza taps mm-hmm. reduces spells by um the amount of but an amount of generic mana equals the number of wizards you control. So if you've got five wizards, Kaza reduces it by five. But yeah, the feeling I have when I'm playing this deck is I often do have a counter spell up, but I also have like like a counter spell that's like my wizard sacrificing himself. You know, the malevolent hermit I have on the battlefield that can sacrifice yep. itself. I have the ability to untap Kaza so I can reduce something by even more if I feel like it. I've got a card draw spell in my hand, but I also have like a comet storm in my hand. I'm doing maths trying to work out what people's life totals are, how many times I can copy. Like these are the... So you seemed panicked over that. You yes. genuinely get concerned, whereas I'm smiling as you explain this because I'm like, oh, sitting in that position where you can do literally anything because you have everything. Yeah, well, this... So cool. This, like... I think it's just a clear example of how we play the game. But yeah, your Tornos deck. Mm, I've really enjoyed playing that recently. This is like exactly, this is very blue to me. Mm. It, it, it loves to have all the answers open on, not necessarily on the battlefield. It's usually a couple of tricks up your sleeve, but often on the battlefield, like yep. often the, the sequences are there if you look hard enough, which I think is very blue to go like, if you can work it out, you're welcome to see what I'm going to ha- attempt well, here. Even in the, like a very recent game where I managed to to, to, to kill an opponent on the stack, but I had everything on the board mm. available to prove that I could do it. About halfway through you starting to respond, I went, oh, well, you've got this. Because yeah. I saw the maths on the board. But, yeah. like, if, as a blue player, that's like, look, I'm smarter than you because I've revealed my hand. What mm. what I'm going to do is on the board, but you can't see it because yeah. you're stupid. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> Let me win the game. <laughs> Okay, so we'll go down through each of these main kind of strategies that Blue uses. And I think we'll start with Control because this is very Blue. You said it before. Control is an archetype of Magic the Gathering. It's like Mm. one of the rock, paper, scissors of Magic. Yeah. And obviously, 
Blue is great at counterspells. Mm. I don't think we need to outline that Blue is good at counterspells. No, no other colour does it like Blue. No, not even close. You've not sort of got like, a couple of white ones, a couple of red ones, a couple, like one black one. Yeah. Uh, other From, than that, yeah, they are all blues. Yeah. It's really like centred in Blue. It yeah. is Blue's cornerstone. You've got yeah. Counterspell, um, Fierce Guardianship, uh, uh, Arcane Pact of Negation, Arcane Denial, yeah. Turn Aside. We've got like all... Yeah. We could go on and list it for ages and ages. Also importantly in Commander, they're then... Yes, some of the best counter spells are blue, but also all of the budget cheap ones are too. Like, yeah. even if you're playing in a budget game, like I often am, because most of my decks are pretty budget, <laughs> yeah, vanilla counter spell is a pretty cheap card. Arcane Denial is a pretty cheap card. Yep. You've even got cards like Stubborn Denial, Negate, like all. Uh, Wizards uh, Retort. Yep, Disdainful Stroke. Like, all of yep. these are, you know, dollar or less cards. They're incredible. Yep. Um, and, like, this is obviously good for blue. Like, blue is great at controlling because it has access to all this, but. Mm. I think that there's more going on in the control aspect. I think that Blue is incredibly good at realizing that the resource of knowledge is not enough alone to win a game. I think having a bunch of books and having a bunch of ways of saying, no, you can't do this because I'll unravel your magic, mm. is definitely never going to win you the game. No, if you just trade counter spells with someone for an entire game, like if you could somehow play a deck that was only counter spells, you would never win. You would actually eventually lose because mm. of the way that you're trading resources with your opponent who has more things to do. Correct. So I think that blue uses control in other ways, such as like, anything you can do I can do better kind of way <laughs> which like for example cards like spark double says that very bluntly like mm. it, you make a copy of someone's best creature mm. and put a plus one counter on it yeah it's like I'm using my power of knowledge to control the board state and make what you've got on my board but better I think it's very interesting that blue is the color of clones like yes pretty much every single Sakashima. Yep, all of the all of the clones we see commonly in in Commander are at least blue plus something, but most of them are just straight blue. Like, yep. I think the most common casting cost, if I had to go out on a limb for, for a clone, them. is two blue blue. Yep, I would go ahead and say is the most common cost we see on a um, on a clone effect. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that that uh, that blue actively does. Well, I mean, even cards like Corrupted Conscience, uh, which mm. is a card that. Basically, you enchant a creature you don't control, and then you control the creature, but it also gets infect. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to do what you do, but I'm going to do it in a better way and stronger, because mm. I understand it. And like, Bribery, for example, is a great example of Blue understanding the Dewey Decimal System so well <laughs> that it can go into your library, your library, and just get a creature from it and put it on the battlefield under your control. <laughs> I didn't think the Dewey Decimal System would come up in this. <laughs> We're talking about blue. It's in a library. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so glad too. But like, I think that blue's ability to just understand how to access knowledge mm. is so key for it to control it. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, even like blue knows the game of Magic the Gathering so well, it can literally change the rules so it suits them. And I know mm. that like, this is kind of like a fire out thing, but there are actual cards in blue like Sleight of Mind and Magical Hack that literally change the words on your magic cards. Yeah. I mean, there's even that one that sees like a, a load of play in, um, oh, what's the blue commander from Kaldheim? Whenever you cast a spell that targets one or more permanents, you make it. A copy of one of those. Oh, permanents? the shapeshifter. I yeah. can't remember his What's name. What's he called? Now. I can't o, remember. Oh, something. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. remember. Anyway, but there's like a there's a card that just says like change all instances of snow on a card with non snow. Yeah. 
or something. Like these are cards that yeah have appeared in blue consistently. Well, like Slide of Mind chases um, changes all instances. Oh no, sorry, I think it's Magical Hack. It changes all instance of a basic land type on a card to one of your choice. Whoa! What's really funny is you can do it on the stack as well. I'm pretty sure. Wow. So so if someone casts a Far Seek. <laughs> you can change all instances of basic oh land God, types to something else. That's pretty funny. It's a really weird... I, I, you'd have to check with a judge to make sure you can do that. But these are really complicated ways blue controls the game. It can literally change the rules. I think yep. it's I think it's wild. Um, I can see you're diving into Scryfall there. I'm going to try and lo locate this card. It's, it's killing me. All the, right. uh, the one. You, you keep going. I'll, I'll keep moving on then. But like... I think control is such a big pillar, but the other one that we were talking about as well is access. And obviously blue gives you access to more by giving you more information in the form of card draw. Mm. No other color does card draw like blue. Like there are calls to have Ristic Study Band. It's so good at drawing cards. Yep. But just like general, generically decent card draw, like Thirst for Knowledge or Mindspring or, you know, um, like, oh, billions, um, like uh, Finale of um, Eternity and just like all mm. of these cards, just drawing tons and tons of cards is a really clear way to say blue gives you access to things because you will have them literally in your hand. Yeah, the card is Orvar, the all form. Orvar, I knew yeah, it was O. The, it's a commander you see in mono blue, but yeah, crazy combo potential. I knew it was blue. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the most important thing. Um, yeah. Okay, well, going down access, I mm. think the access to knowledge is one part of it, mm -hmm. but the access into your opponent's like world is the other bit. And I found that right. blue is really good unblockable like the mechanic this creature cannot oh, be blocked yeah totally like think about cards like miss cloak herald slither blade these are mm. creatures that are just little creatures but say they cannot be blocked mm. and i think blue does this because then it utilizes this ability to get through its defenses why like blue ninjas for example like if you play mm. um miss blade shinobi this can be ninjutsued in on one of those unblockable creatures. When it deals damage to an opponent, you can cast Unsummon for free yeah. and bounce one of their creatures to hand. So it's like, I have access to your defenses, and once I get through, I'm just going to start dismantling them. Yeah, this is also just the way that I think blue had like has creatures. A lot of blue's creatures are enablers for particular strategies that mm -hmm. you're going to do like look, cards that we see so much in commander like archaeomancer yeah they are a creature but they're bringing you back something else that you can do to further your game plan so yeah i totally see what you mean it's about like yeah sneaking through and and finding the right bits of information at the right time definitely. i mean like even moon circuit hacker is another ninja that just draws you more cards when mm. it deals damage so you ninjutsu it in gives you more information yeah. more ways to go unblockable more ways to just like it's yeah. it's this like snowball effect of knowledge i think mm. it's really cool definitely um the other thing that blue does pretty well is the safety aspect mm. and this is what i referred to earlier as like knowing your enemy mm -hmm. um obviously it's not as superior as white in terms of protecting itself mm. i did a quick scryfall search before this actually and found that 150 56 cards that are legal in Commander have the words protection from on it are white. Okay, that makes sense. There's a lot of cards that might do that. Yeah. Mono blue, 22. 
Wow, so not even close, really. Every other colour is below 30. Oh, wow. So, like, white clearly does the protection from a lot better than any other colour. That makes sense. I feel like almost every single instant I've ever seen that says, like, creatures you control get indestructible until end of turn. Correct. Or, like, return all creatures that were destroyed this turn to the battlefield. Like, all those are white cards. Yes. Definitely. But blue protects itself and keeps itself safe in other ways than just, like, mechanically saying protection from. Mm. Like, for example, it, like, I think the power of a loot is something that blue is incredibly good at right i mean think of blue's signature token it's illusions like mm. generally you'll create one one illusions with flying yeah i mean there's up. there's the uh four mana memory mystic makes oh, one one so, birds but yeah. they're one one bird illusions i love the art on that token as yeah. well it's like a really small little blue ethereal bird it's, it's cool. really pretty but that's whenever you cast an instant or sorcery mm. spell so that's kind of the way that that often blue's creatures um, close the loop really of blue game plan as they provide that avenue for winning Correct. later in the game well I mean think of um, like uh, the 2-2 two, two drakes oh, um, uh, the Talrand. Oh, Talrand. Yeah, yeah Talrand makes. Two, two drakes, yeah. And they're all flyers, like 1-1 one, one illusions, 2-2 two, two birds, um, fractals, uh, not flyers, but they can be pretty chunky, mm. fairies even. These are amazing chump blockers. They are. Amazing. And like you're, blue generally doesn't attack with these chump blockers, mm. unless it's right at the end of the game and you just need to throw a pigeon at someone to kill them. But yeah. like... It will use these as like a way of just keeping safe. Mm. And it just, it's rewarding you from progressing your game plan. Like, for example, blue loves drawing cards, as we know. So it's going to reward you from drawing cards by making tentacle tokens from Nadir Kraken, for yeah. example. I think the other thing that's interesting about this, though, about flyers specifically, you talked about access and, and the way that oh, creatures yeah. can access your opponents by being unblockable. Flying is very difficult for most colors to block. Strong form of so evasion. Very, very good way to get through. And also, interestingly, speaking of sort of the, the access and the way that ties in back into knowledge, which is sort of this key thing for blue, um, pretty much all of the effects that say when a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, think mm. of... Um, uh, what's the even curiosity well curiosity is an enchantment for one but we've got all these like reconnaissance mission reconnaissance mission the original card reconnaissance mm -hmm. um, there's the one that's the artifact enchantment from Theros it's oh, someone to spy network is oh, another one spy network is artifact creatures but there's mm. the one that's the spear of someone the spear of the god of the sea Kiora's something oh Thassa's Biden of Thassa Biden of Thassa that's of Thassa, the one yes. yeah but yeah those, those are all effects that say when a creature you control does common damage to a player draw a card mm. flyers are going to make that way easier but also yeah they're, they're giving you knowledge by doing that it's like a little you know reconnaissance mission reconnaissance is go and find out information for me mm. go and run some reconnaissance tell me what I need to know so and I can... I'll be prepared for later then. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, right? Very cool. I also think, like, it's worth mentioning here Propaganda. Oh, yeah. Is a functional reprint of White's Ghostly Prison. Mm. Um, I think it's really cool that, you know, Blue is able to do that as well. Yeah. Not as commonly as White. Like, you know, you've got Sphere of Safety in White and a lot of mm. other effects that do similar things. Yeah. But Blue still has Propaganda. Yeah. It's still doing it. It's always interesting when those cards that, that are, like, definitely centered in a color. So, in this case, they're centered in White. Mm -hmm. But when they bleed into other colors, it often tells you about the overlap between those two and colors. And the shared the shared values and the shared opinions. Yeah, and these are two yeah. colors that literally sit next to each yeah. other in, in the color pie. And, yeah, for White... 
it is about safety and about protection and being together, but and and ghostly prison, you know, imprisoning the people who don't agree with you. But in blue, propaganda is about thoughts and about yeah. control of thoughts. So Pro- you yeah, can see just the, the difference between the words ghostly prison and propaganda. Yeah, well, ghostly prison is about like you don't fit in with the rest of us, so you'll go in here, and propaganda is about. We don't trust all of you, so we'll tell you what to think. You know? We're going to put out the propaganda to yeah. convert your mind. And exactly. Yeah, I think also, like, it's weird. I, another card that came to mind just then when you were talking about things bleeding into other colors. Have you heard of a card called of Illusions of Grandeur? Oh, it sounds familiar. It's a weird card, but it does a really good impression of Mono Blue Life Gain. Oh. It's an enchantment with a cumulative upkeep. So it's a, a cumulative upkeep of two, which is a lot. Oh, is this the one where when it enters the battlefield, you gain a load of life? You gain leaves, 20 life. But when, when it, it leaves, you lose 20 life, Correct, right? yeah. Oh, how funny. So like Illusions of Grandeur is like Blue going, <laughs> I can, I'm alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all good. What a beautiful amount of flavor on that card though. Like, illusions, illusions of, of grandeur. grandeur. As soon as you lose that illusion of grandeur, you are returned to your previous state. <laughs> if you're on That's one so life funny. and you're on 21 because of it. I think like the other good thing that blue does to keep itself safe is the ability to manipulate the board. And I think tapping things and even untapping things to oh, untap a blocker really commonly seen in blue or one of your favorite cards of all time twiddle, twiddle yeah. uh, is a blue card do we actually want to reveal what twiddle is for the first <laughs> time on the podcast <laughs> twiddle's an instant for a blue that says you may tap or untap target artifact creature or land yeah so um it's seen play in a lot of different formats there's a deck that exists in a few formats called twiddle storm that so basically cool. seeks to you know untap things that have really good tap abilities and then Typically make a load of mana. Mm. Often it's seen play with high tide. This is the instant that makes your islands tap for... An additional blue. An additional blue. So if you combine these together, you can sometimes, in circumstances, go infinite on mana. But yeah, Twiddle is definitely quintessential blue in that it goes like, yeah, I have the ability to manipulate my own cards. But also, yeah, I can see that you're what you're thinking here. I'm going to remove your access to that creature Before by tapping it. Before you go to combat, yeah. you just can't use that now. Yeah, or like someone's trying to leave up a mana and you cast Twiddle targeting their forest. And it's like, cool, you can do something now. <laughs> In response to the Twiddle. Yep. Or not at all. Or not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I also love there's another blue counter spell that um, it means that if, if the spell counters... The player empties their mana pool, which I can't, I think it's called, it might be called Power Sync or... I think that's the X one though. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Maybe have a Scryfall search. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. Other cards like Verity Circle, Shacklegeist, all of these cards tap down your opponent's creatures. And that's a very blue way of controlling the board. Blue, for example, also does um, the freeze effect. And this freeze effect, I actually really like the flavor of for blue because it's like... It taps it down and it says you can't untap it in your next untap step or it just doesn't untap at all. That's blue basically being like, I don't have a way to solve this problem right now. So I'm going to kind of hold and give myself more time to think of a more permanent solution (laughs) or win the game in another way before you do that. Um, Like cards like Queen of Ice, Capture Sphere, Bubble Snare, Rush Mm. of Ice, like all of these cards all say tap down something it either doesn't untap and its controller's untap step or it doesn't untap for another turn like really strong i can't find that card sorry very sad unfortunate but i think like you said it before when we were talking about you know the 
the way that Blue can access information from your opponents, I think this actually ties into this idea of using knowledge for safety. Mm. Like telepathy is that one mana enchantment that you were referring to earlier. Yeah. If you know what's coming, you know how to prepare for it. Mm. And you know what books you need to read. Like think of that uh, Harry Potter, I think it's Goblet of Fire, where Harry has to prepare for one of those wizard challenges. Mm. And he has to get some information to know how to prepare correctly. Yeah. That's very blue in mm. thinking. You have to, you know, know what's coming to, to best get information. And I think this is really interesting. Blue looks at Magic the Gathering as this resource management game and looks at one of its aspects of the fact that this game has hidden information. Mm. Your opponent's libraries, your opponent's hands are hidden zones where you don't know what's happening. Mm, they're literally called hidden zones in the rules yes. as well. Yeah. Blue hates that. Mm. Blue absolutely despises that. It would rather play chess, which is where <laughs> it, every piece of information, like I yeah. know everything that you have and I know how all of your pieces move mm. and I know everything that I have and how all of my pieces move. Yeah. I would rather play that game. Mm. And I think Blue is often at times uncomfortable with not knowing. So it uses cards like Gataxian Probe peak to, yeah. to get a sense of what's coming. I think the thing I like a lot about Blue in this regard is that Blue's different mechanics that it's really good at synergize really well with them, themselves and they yeah. imply a way of playing. So some of the things that Blue is best at, we talked about counter spells already. Yep. We're talking now about revealed information. The other thing we've talked about a little bit is um, effects that return things to their hands, like unsummon, unsummon style yep. effects. When you combine all of these together, you understand that there is a way you should be playing blue, which is, I need to know what information is out there so I know which spells to counter. So yep. in the case of Unsummon, right? Someone has that enormous creature on the battlefield. Let's say they have only a couple other cards in hand. If you cast Unsummon on that creature and you have a counter spell in hand, now when they go to cast it again, it's countered. Now it's gone forever. Yeah, it's like a permanent solution. Yeah, and then exactly the same way with the revealed information thing, you know whether you need to have a counter spell open if you know what cards are in someone's hand. Yeah, if you, you can go, I know that none of those are threatening, so I can afford to draw some cards here, search for more information for myself. Or deploy some weapons and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Rather than have to be responsive. So I, I love that aspect of blue, that it really implies the way you should be thinking about it. And doesn't it make you feel safe when you, mm. when as a blue player, because like that, that access and that control is such a good feeling, but the, the result in those first two pillars makes you feel this kind of safety. Yeah. In like, I'm okay, no one can touch me. Definitely, kind of definitely. There's, okay. a, there's a point in, in a game when you're playing a control deck, and I get this mostly when I play Pauper, like my Grixis control list. It's a very good deck. But there's a point at which when you have a full grip, you know, you've got seven cards in hand, two of them are counter spells, one of them is a board wipe. And you've got and, six open mana. Yeah, and your opponent's got like two cards in hand and one creature. You know you've won the game. Like mm. There's actually a point at which you go, I don't think it's possible for them to win anymore yeah um but the game isn't actually over yet and i think it's almost only blue decks that have that feeling yeah i think blue decks are the most common decks to give you a smirky face yeah <laughs> definitely well okay the last thing that i talked about was weaponizing knowledge yes and i think that i, I didn't specifically i can't we kind of spoke about the other three a little bit and i specifically left this section blank because i think this is the way blue will really like win the game and the way mm. blue will kind of like drive itself to the end goal. Yeah. And I think the first thing I wanted to talk about was that there is no other color in magic, maybe red a little bit, but blue is so good, so good at playing with artifacts. 
Oh, yeah. And artifacts are constantly considered one of the strongest card types in Magic the Gathering. They, If, if not the most powerful yeah. card type in Magic the Gathering. I can say definitively as someone who plays a white-green artifacts list... You wish you had blue, You need you? blue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wish you had blue. Yeah. I think that, like, you look at cards like, for example, Arkham Daggerson or Reshape. Mm. These cards are, like, worse versions of the banned commander card Tinker. Yeah. Tinker says, like, sacrifice an artifact. It's two and a blue. Mm -hmm. You sacrifice an artifact, search your library for another artifact, put it on the battlefield. Really important to note that this card was printed before treasures existed. Mm. So, like, at the time, the idea was that you were sacrificing something that you needed in order to get something you needed more. These days, just not a requirement at all. You can sack a clue, you can sack a food, you can sack a treasure. None of those things existed back then. Literally, you could sack Soul Ring. Like, yeah. You know, it's it's incredible. And these cards do a pretty good imitation. Like, Arkham Daggerson does a pretty good imitation of Tinker. Definitely. Um... And even, like, you think of some commanders in blue that utilize artifacts and weaponize them. Like, my Tornos deck, for example, mm. blue, yeah. red. But Memnarch is a mono-blue commander. Yeah, this is the artifacts. Like, it's an artifact creature, Memnarch. Yeah, it? and it can turn things into artifacts and then take control of opponent's artifacts. Yeah, cool Which card. is really cool. Very like, cool. Emery Lurker of the Lock, really cool um, example of, like, blue's ability to... I think just overall, just use technology and advancement mm. to its absolute best. Yeah. I think artifacts are a really good example of how blue wins a game. Definitely. But, I mean, there's plenty of other ways blue can weaponize knowledge, but making sure that we stay on target for the length of this episode. The last one I wanted to talk about was the alternate win con that blue is just ooh, oh so good at. Mm-hmm. Milling out your opponents. Uh, so this can manifest in a couple of different ways. There are yeah. cards that straight up say target player draws X cards. Yep. So that's one way to do it. You know, you have enough money, you just go, you can draw your library. GG. Good luck. <laughs> but there's also decks that don't have win cons, but have the ability to shuffle their hand into their library or their graveyard into their library. Basically, they stop you from decking yourself. And it reaches a point in the game where you can prevent them from making any meaningful actions in the game. And you have the ability to keep on drawing cards because you can put stuff back in your library. And you can just say to your opponent, we can stay here as long as you want. Eventually, you're going to draw that last card from your library and it will be over. I'm prepared for this situation. It's not going to happen. It's not (laughs) happening to me. It's happening to you. But like, so milling out your opponent and like letting them just die because they've used all their resources. Mm. You may as well be sat. Like, I love this idea that blue is just so good at knowing how to get information that it can walk into your library your library of cards and just knock things onto the ground just like (laughs) start swishing things off shelves just being like you don't need that you're dumb i don't get you this is irrelevant this this hasn't been updated since the 70s like just dropping stuff and you're just left in an empty room to die but i also love the fact that blue has the alternate win con If, if you draw a card and your library doesn't have cards left in it you win Instead of losing. Instead of losing. Like, Thassa's Oracle is, like, an ETB version, but, like, Laboratory Maniac. There's a Jace Planeswalker that does the same Mm. thing. These are ways that Blue says, I now know everything. We should just stop playing. (laughs) Like, I know that you're, like, trying to win by creatures, but I know what your creature's, like, anatomy and biology is. I don't need to know anything more. What an interesting way to think about the way that 
emptying your library could be seen because we know that we we think of ourselves as mages when we're playing magic so mm. the library is knowledge that we're gaining what an interesting two different sides of the coin where the fact that by default we lose the game when we run out of cards in our library to me says if you have no more ideas you can't keep you can't forwards. win if you can't do anything else no because you don't have any thoughts yeah. that in your in your head to to use but blue says actually when i've learned everything i'm done i will become God, yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's, I will win. All I need is to know everything, yeah. and then I'll be, I'll be finished. Once I reach omniscience, I'm yeah, good. Exactly. Again, omniscience is a card. Yeah. So Beautiful. I think this is really, really cool. And in a very similar vein to when I did the white episode, mm-hmm. I've kind of prepared four statements sure. um, to kind of close out this command. Beauty. And I'd love to read what we, um, as people, can learn from Blue's philosophy. Let's do it. So, firstly, knowledge is power. Secondly, progression can only come from learning new information, being skeptical and taking adequate time to define the most rational and empirical best path forward is best. And we must be the smartest in the room. To be the best prepared means to be the victor on the day of the challenge. But finally, when it comes to progression, we must remember to walk forward. Oftentimes, the search for the right path to venture may result in standing still. So, Space Commanders, command, command received. Bit of a long one. I didn't expect Blue to be this long of a episode, but um, Blue is very nebulous mm. in philosophy. There's lots of ways Blue kind of goes, yeah, but like, what if we just keep asking more questions? <laughs> <laughs> I expected it to be this long because it's you. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Look, to be honest, I could make it longer. I could have talked about this for a lot more time. I can believe it. And I'm, I'm actually going to do the to the listeners this time because i would love to talk to you guys do you feel commanded what do you guys think of the color blue do you like to be the smartest person in the room saying no you can't cast that because i'm going to counter it because i know how it works i've read the book or do you love the feeling of drawing cards and analyzing deal lines or do you feel like you're just sat in the library um, studying how to fight when everyone else is out there swinging swords around? That's definitely how I feel. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with us, there's a few ways you can do that. You can send us an email. It's linked in the show notes. You can add us on Twitter. Or the best way to do it is to join our Discord server, which is linked in there. Um, you can chat with us. You can chat with other members of our playgroup. There's a few different channels there. There's the Thrifty Thursdays that we mentioned mm-hmm. before. There's the Get Commanded podcast channel. There's a, a channel for playing games over spell table. There's also a Judge in. channel, which there is, is so handy. For asking judges questions. So uh, definitely check that out. We'd also love if you could leave us a review on whichever platform you listen to. So specifically, that'll be Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Google is lagging behind. Classic. Um, And the absolute best way, of course, to support our content is to check us out on Patreon. It's linked in the show notes. Uh, It's the absolute best way to support the things that we make directly and to help us to make more interesting and varied new things coming forward, Mm -hmm. uh, new forms of content. You can check out our, our Patreon page. You can scroll to the bottom and see what kinds of things we have planned. Um, but the best way to support us if we do that is, is to donate on there. So we would like to thank our patrons, uh, Stella Tham, uh, and also a very special shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Very special shout out to Fletcher Cutting for supporting us in the Beth Commander tier. You're the best. You are the best, Fletcher. You're the best, Fletcher Cutting. Wow. Okay. And again, a quick thank you to Palms Off Gaming for sponsoring the podcast. These guys create amazing deck boxes, sleeves, binders, and other gaming accessories. Check them out at palmsoffgaming.com.au. And as is tradition, Walter, we have to... 
It's going to be a thing now. Every time, yeah. Um, it's your turn to planeswalk us away from magic and sure. into another topic. What's what's been going on in your world? I would like to planeswalk us out of magic and into Hyrule. Oh, we've spoken about this on the podcast we have. before. So look, I'm going to be honest. I haven't played any yet, but I have finally. I'm only about five years behind. I have bought Breath of the Wild Bravo. for the Nintendo Switch. So yes, in the next sort of three to five days, I will be starting my probably. 100 hour journey I'm- more you 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 i know you of all people because you're a skyrim fanatic yep. you love skyrim this is a world that you can sink your teeth into and yeah. it seemingly never ends i can fully expect myself to be obsessed with this game for probably yeah. the next 12 months <laughs> well yep. when you finish it in you know 24 months <laughs> the the next edition the third installment of the tears of the kingdom breath of the wild line will be released and then you can buy tears of the kingdom yes. <laughs> Just think about how much money I'm saving by buying sure. these games like five years later when they're $20 cheaper. Um, yes, I, no, I'm super excited. Like like you said, I'm a, I'm a huge Skyrim nut. I've played a lot of role-playing games. I've played a lot of Witcher 3. Yeah. played a lot of Fable back in the day, if anyone ever played those games. Um, really love especially games where you can kind of decide how you want to go forwards. And I've watched a lot of Breath of the Wild gameplay. I used to watch the Game Grumps play it a lot. Um, I know it's my kind of game. I know exactly like how I'm going to be moving through the world. And I'm, I'm just like so excited to try it out. I can't wait. I honestly just want to sit next to you and watch you like explore the world. And I just want to sit there and be quiet and just see what you do differently to me. And my partner's going to be sitting there the whole time, basically. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Electra jumps in uh, to play themselves because potentially she'll, you know, she plays Skyrim and stuff. Like I yep. think she'll love it as well. The only thing is she played a lot of a game called Immortals Phoenix Rising, which came out like about a year or two after Breath of the Wild. And a lot of people say these two games are both fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're so similar just in the way that they're laid out. But if whichever one you play first, you tend to just prefer. And just when you, do that one. When you play the other one, you're kind of like, ah, oh, I kind of liked in the other game when it had this, this, and this. So a lot of people started with Breath of the Wild, played Immortals, and were like, oh, this feels like bad Breath of the Wild. But Electra's actually played Breath of the Wild before, but she played Immortals Phoenix Rising first. Oh, okay. And actually came into it and was like, oh, I don't really like this. I actually, uh, maybe, actually liked Immortals better. Maybe so. you'll have a different approach. Maybe. I'm currently, Theo and I, my partner, are both playing uh, Tears of the Kingdom at the moment. Yep. And Theo has just had a week off work because they've been a little unwell and they've just decided, you know, I'll take a week, recover. And I came home the other day from work and just looked on the TV and they had like seven hearts more than me. And I was like, <laughs> how much time have you put into this game? And Theo's like, I haven't moved all day. The entire <laughs> like, time you were gone, <laughs> yeah. I was in Hyrule. Yes. <laughs> they've unlocked the whole map. I, I'm a little jealous. Yeah. Well, uh, that is all we have time for. So we'll see you next Friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players.